Hey everyone, happy Wednesday and welcome back to Be A Warrior Podcast. I'm your host, Angie Huser. It's that time once again to unleash the warrior within you. Are you ready? Then let's get started. Hello and welcome back to Be A Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Angie, and this today is our, this is our last week of Limb Loss, Limb Awareness Month, and ending with a bang here with none other than Mike Coots from Kauai. And uh, Mike, it is great to have you back on the show. Welcome. Yeah. Thank you, Angie. Uh, it's a pleasure to be chatting. Yeah. It's been too long, you know? Yeah. I met you right before COVID hit, and then we have not been back to Kauai since then. And it's just because yeah. of one thing and another, kids in college and just trying to make it work. And actually, my husband and I are getting away, and we're going to come see you guys in September. Yay. No way. Awesome. Yes. So awesome. I'm so excited. Yeah. I want, Hopefully, I can get him out surfing this time. Yeah. That's Perfect. the goal. <laughs> well, as I was telling, uh, telling you guys, Mike's been on before, and it was kind of funny. He was on... When I was a newbie, you were probably in my second month of ever doing a podcast in March. So if you want to hear more from Mike, you can look back at the March 2021 episode. Um, but Mike, since there are so many different people and new people listening now, which is a great thing because this is my third year of doing this, I would really love for people to get to know who you are, um, kind of where you grew up and yep. your lifestyle and then what happened okay i'm uh um i'm from hawaii the island of Kauai. Uh, born and raised here i'm a, a surfer a diehard ocean lover i'm a photographer my occupation is a shark photographer and i'm a shark attack survivor i got attacked by a tiger shark when i was 18 um right out of high school i was on a surfing team and had high hopes of being a professional wave rider and um it was a an event that happened so fast i mean it was only seconds um but changed my life forever it, it was not painful in any way. Um, you kind of wouldn't believe that, but I just, as I was getting attacked, I felt an immense amount of pressure. Um, I had a quick thinking friend, Kyle, who saved my life. Um, I thought I was going to die that day on the beach, uh, but it wasn't scary. It, it was peaceful. Um, and and the, they, I, I had people around me praying for me and I, I thought, you know, this could be my last breath. I, I really felt like I wasn't going to make it. Um, and uh, I had, I had them throw me in the back of a truck and we, we hauled butt to the hospital. And um, I woke up the next day with my family around me and um, it was a real somber moment. I, I remember my eyes opening like you would in a movie, like that slow flickering and the light comes in and everybody around me was kind of sad and, and quiet. And my mom was like, you know, I'm going to have to tell you something, Mike. And I, I thought they were telling me that I was going to not make it. Um, that was the first thing that came to my head. And they were like, Mike, you, you lost your leg in a shark attack. And I was like, I know I, I saw it come off. And, um, I, I think uh, since then I've I've been just gifted time um, going from thinking that you're not going to make it to making it and to being able to thrive and to be able to live a life really without limitations. Um, I'm very fortunate to have a good prosthetic leg. I'm a below the knee amputee and I can do everything I could free shark attack. I run, surf, dive. Um, there's really nothing I can't do. And I, I feel very fortunate to live in a modern era where i modern medicine can make these things happen. And I have a, a great support group around me. I've got family and friends and I feel like I'm really living the, the dream life as a, as a shark photographer and a shark conservationist and, and trying to do my part to help 
protect a species that's invaluable for the health of our oceans and the health of our planet. Wow. Okay. We could just end the whole podcast right there. That was incredibly (laughs) succinct. (laughs) Okay. So no, we'll delve in a little bit. Um, Interestingly enough, um, I met Mike and it's funny when you said the first thing, when you said below knee, I laughed to myself Mm -hmm. because I had met Mike through uh, coach Chris, who is on Oahu. He is correct. Yep. The North Shore of Oahu. And because the first time I went to Hawaii as an amputee, I left my charger at home. And (laughs) I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know anybody. I don't know what to do here. Small island. Like we're not talking Mm -hmm. any big booming cities, like on the big island or anything. And, and I just remember reaching out to coach Chris, telling him I was in this place. He goes, call Mike. So I called you and you're like, so I'm a baloney. I don't need a charger. So that's actually how we met. And you were so gracious though, because you're like, hook up with Eric uh, Welton. Mm -hmm. Yep. North Shore Prosthetics. Yep. Seriously, I that was a, a complete godsend because being there for a whole week and not and realizing the first night that we got there that I had no charger by the next day my my leg was dead and unusable. Yep. So then I put yeah. on a hydraulic leg, which was so frightening, and mm-hmm. I walked around Honolulu Bay on in that leg like just learning it. And then Eric got me a charger by midweek. It was incredible. So wow. that, that's how our, our story was that we yeah. met. It was just such a crazy, you're like, yeah, so I don't need a charger. I'm like, dang it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's interesting how you mentioned some of the things when you, um, and I know when we talked before, we already talked a lot about how, you know, you came back from this and everything. And, and actually it blows my mind as a, as a mainlander, you know, my thoughts are a lot of us have fears of sharks because we see people getting attacked on the islands or off the coast of Florida or the Gulf or whatever. And you hear it all the time. And here you guys are, this is a way of life. You know, sharks are a part of your ecosystem. And is that, is that, I mean, was it, is it fair to say that most of the people on the islands are more shark lovers than fear like we have on the mainland? Um, it- that's a, actually a great, that's a great question. I, w- I would say um, more so people that spend a lot of time around the water um, recognize that sharks, you know, there's the old saying, if you can tell a shark, you know, is going to be in the water by putting your finger in the water and tasting it. If it's salty, that's means sharks are around. It's, it's their home. The ocean is their home. And yeah. um, people that really have a, a connection with the sea um, know that that's just part of the part of the part of the ocean. Um, I think it's, in a way, a, an allure of what makes the ocean incredible. It's like these living dinosaurs that are still around that are roaming this, roaming the oceans. And, um, you know, there are human and shark interactions that can lead to injury and death. And, and that's a real thing. Um, but by large and all, by every, it's just, the ocean's incredible. And it's such a beautiful place to be. It's such a healthy lifestyle. Um, and, and I think people that are, live in like island nations around the coastlines really get that. Yeah. Yeah, I wondered about that. I don't know if we just have this weird fear because of movies that have come out and horror yeah. flicks and whatever, but you know, when we're yeah. not used to it and here I am in a desert and I figured I yeah. was already one leg down the first time I go surfing is and I'm like, well, well, I forgot one's gone. Who cares? You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. What? Go ahead, try to bite yeah. that one. <laughs> All of a sudden my yeah, fear wasn't know, as great. <laughs> right. You know? Well um, yeah. 
Go ahead. Did you have something? Oh, oh I mean, you, you, you go to a, a landlocked city and you tell somebody you're a surfer, the first thing they think of is, aren't you scared of sharks? That's like the first thing that comes to mind. And Hollywood's done yeah. a really good job of selling us that they're these big, bad monsters. And you put your toes in the water, you're going to get attacked, um, which is, it's, you know, it's a such a statistical anomaly. You're more likely to yeah. have a vending machine fall on top of you and kill you or much, much more likely on the way to the beach, getting a car yeah. accident or walking down the trail whatnot hitting the reef surfing than an actual shark attack and um it's it's such a a rarity yeah and it's hard though i mean i hear you say that and i've been in the ocean and it is a completely powerful experience but there is still something that i grew up with that that's still a trigger like when you think of the ocean so I've noticed lately as I've reached out more and more and in my journey as an amputee has kind of taken me in all these weird places and I have met some incredible people. I have noticed more and more because I'm one of the few that actually elected to have an amputation. So my mindset and everything had to be right before going into the operating room. However, I am meeting more and more people that have been devastated by accidents and unfair circumstances like that. My question to you would be, what is it? And if you can go even go back and really delve into this, what what mental aspect do you have to have to jump over that? Why me? This sucks. Not fair. This is what wasn't I planning? And yeah. and how do you come out successful on the other side? What what has to trigger? And you were yeah. young. Yeah, I was. I was. I was eighteen. Um, and and my my journey as an amputee is a lot different than yours. I, I woke up that morning, able-bodied, went to sleep that night, an amputee. Um, it was something I didn't know was going to happen. And the shark did the amputation. It it was when I, when those eyes that I mentioned flickered open in the hospital the next day, when I came to, and I was, I was um, sort of coherent of what happened. Um, I didn't feel any resentment. I didn't feel any anger. I, I just, I felt like I'm now living on borrowed time and that yeah. this is, you know, this is like a, a gift in a way that I'm, I'm alive and I'm still, still going to be able to do what I, I can do. And, and when I, you know, when I was sort of processing all this and I had never in my life seen an amputee living on a little Island, I've never, I'd never seen a prosthetic leg. And it was my third day in the hospital. I had a lot of people coming and going in the community, just doing their well wishes. And right. you know, a guy came, he was wearing pants and he um, just said, hi, didn't mention he was an amputee or anything, just chatted for would have been five minutes left. And my mother was like, you do realize that he's got a prosthetic leg on and that's what you're going to have. And th- this was a, a moment of like, whoa, like, like you know, and I, and I wasn't those three days thinking that the rest of my life, I'm going to be in a wheelchair on crutches and, and nothing against people's spinal cord injuries or anything. I was just like, that's going to be it. And that, that's fine with me. I can still get in the water. I can still live a life and have a beautiful life. And it's going to be amazing. And then with the prosthetic, it was my learning that I'm have a prosthetic that I started to kind of shifting my thinking differently. Okay. Maybe I can surf. With it. Maybe I can do this with it. And, and, and it kind of opened up a different, you know, idea set of what, I, what is reality or what I can do. Um, it was just something that my brain. And so I, I think I was just hopeful from the very beginning. It was just, I'm, I can breathe. I got my family around me. Um, mm. I've got the, the, you know, the strongest part of my body is not missing. That's my brain. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and it's and, and there was go ahead. Oh, and I'm sorry, and 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 with the animosity towards sharks, um, there was never any hatred to want to go out and kill the shark, get revenge, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth type of thing. Um, I just knew that I was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and that's it. Um, I had spent almost every every day of my life at some point in the water since I was, you know, 
six years old or so. Like I was drawn to the ocean and um, it was the, the month after the shark attack when I was bedridden and I couldn't get in the ocean. That was the most difficult part. It wasn't losing a limb. It was not being able to get back in the water. And mm. I remember, I remember when the doctor said that the risk of infection had gone down, they took out the stitches, they took out the staples and I could get back in the water. Finally, it would have been about four weeks after the attack. And um, it just so happened to be a very close spot to where I got attacked. Um, and, and it wasn't because I was like trying to get back on the horse, the same exact area. Just the waves happened that day to be good or really close to where I got attacked. And um, it's, it's this really hot kind of deserty, sandy beach. And I was on crutches and the crutches just sink in that soft sand. And, you know, a third of the crutches buried in the sand. And it's this hard, awkward, just trying to get to the water. You're sweating. And then as soon as you get in the water and I was on a bodyboard and you, you put, I put one fin on and I sort of slided like a seal back into the water. How, I just remember like how incredible that felt have the water the salt water come over me and it just it was a beautiful moment it was probably one of the most special moments of my life yeah and and from there it just felt like life was going to go back to normal there is something truly healing about the ocean there is you know I'm, they're really and i you know unless you've experienced it you just don't get it and just that one experience i had that time um back mm-hmm. in 2019 and i'm like i cannot wait to get back because we don't have salt water here in the desert mm-hmm. <laughs> we got a lot of dryness um, yeah. It's interesting because I, I I I think as a as a teenager, a young man, that you know just knowing I've taught kids I have two of my own teenage well almost out of teenage years they're ever they're invincible right in their heart and soul they're invincible that's why they sometimes do stupid things <laughs> mm-hmm. and you can't tell them you know that's that's going to be wrong and something's going to happen so I'm, I'm wondering if your mentality was it was already there like i'm strong i'm young i got this whereas you know i'm, I'm trying to grasp the, what the key concepts are in people's thinking or their mind game of those that succeed and and obviously you have the positive attitude, you have the, I can, this is a second chance, but then there's on the other extreme that I'm noticing is, and, and maybe it just takes a lot more time when we get older to wrap our head around. This is not how life has been for so many years. And all of a sudden now it's just taking the right turn. Can you speak to that at all? I mean, would you say that having your buddies around and and your age, you were just like, nothing's holding me back. Yeah. I, I, you know, I I think like, this thought just came to me, but when you're really, really young, you get upset over a lot of things. A toy gets taken away. You start crying. Um, mm-hmm. Everything sort of like bothers you. You're crying a lot. And um, yeah. and then you sort of get in your, your teenage years and you're just happy go lucky and you're discovering new things and exploring new places and having new friends. And it's just, it feels like everything is on your side and it's beautiful right. and it's incredible. And then as you get older and older, you start getting that turning back into that toddler and you get, you know, a little bit more bitter and, and you kind of, little more of a chip on your shoulder in a way that a lot of people I, I know have that. And, and, um, mm-hmm. and, I, and I think maybe it was, you know, 18 is almost the most optimal age to become an amputee. And, and like, I, I think it would be different. Maybe if it was in some, if it was like a car accident where I had somebody else to blame, or I had, I shouldn't have done this, or it was, why did I do this that caused it? Whereas like a shark attack, it was just, it just happened. It was yeah. such a, a, a you know, a fluke event that it just it just happened and it was it was over with so fast i like i said I, there was no pain mm. the shark did the amputation it was within seconds i had aid come to my side i had family um, i had the entire island supporting me i could still 
uh, have, I had a resemblance of normality and things looking forward to. I was going to get back in the water. I was going to be able to go surfing with my friends very shortly. It wasn't the six month, five year period. It was just a, a something. And, and, and it was, mm-hmm. and I don't know, it was in a way it was, it was like a perfect transformation and becoming an amputee. And I've, I've been very fortunate to not have any bad dreams. I've never once dreamt about the shark attack. I dream I've got two legs. Um, it's funny. I talked to Bethany Hamilton, another shark attack survivor, and, and she dreams she has two arms. Um, you just, your brain just goes into this. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm whole. Uh, like yeah. there's, you know, and, and, and my journey would be a lot different. Let's say it was 1903 and I was on a wooden prosthetic or I live in a country that they persecute disabled people. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't really even call myself disabled, but if I was in another country, um, yeah. there's a chance I could be executed for being, you know, inferior and not being able to contribute to society that yeah. society thinks I should. Um, so to live in Hawaii, to have a dream job, to have, I have a endorsement with the leader of prosthetics. I don't have to worry about stuff breaking. Like I, mm-hmm. you couldn't have script this any better. And, and right. as a shark photographer, I, I feel a real sense of, um, not a, this in order, a real like it's a passion and it's inc- you know sharks are i think one of the most incredible subjects to photograph on earth they're the ultimate muse um yeah. but I, I feel a sense of responsibility and, and a sense of giving back for what the ocean has given me and mm-hmm. and to share the to the world that we need sharks and through shark you know through storytelling and um so i, I feel the sense of responsibility and that's it turns into drive and that's mm-hmm. kind of what you know, puts the fire underneath me and um it's just, if you were to ask me that, and I've said this in other interviews, um, if I were to paddle out that day, knowing I'd become an amputee and knowing I would be limbless and have to have a prosthetic the rest of my life, but have the journey and everything that I have in my life now, absolutely. Um, getting attacked by a shark was the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. You know, anybody that I have talked to that has lost a limb, that has rearranged their thinking and and rose up from that, and come out successful on the other side, there isn't anybody that's wanted to take it back. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think, and, and and it's it's truly a joy to hear you talk about how, what it does is, it, and I feel the same way. Like, I feel like, you know, that I was given an opportunity to use the journey that I've gone on to help others wherever I can, mm-hmm. whether it's just a shoulder for them or answers to questions or however it could be. And, you know, I'm, all, I'm still looking, I'm still cre- at my age. I'm still trying to figure out what <laughs> yeah, my yeah. life is going to be about. It's exciting. But I think that is so true that you, if you can come out on the other side going, okay, so this is my life now. What do you need me to do with this? Kind of talking to that universe, yeah. like, where am I supposed to be? When you find that purpose it does light a fire. It gives you a distraction from what could, if you sat around and did nothing, imagine where you'd be mm-hmm. right now, yeah, but having yeah. that purpose, right. Doesn't it, yeah. it changed yeah. the dynamics of your situation. Yeah. And it, and it makes it, you know, it's exciting to get up in the morning and to, to pursue something that you really believe in and, and feel like you're on your, your here to do. And, and I won't like, I'll be honest, there's, you know, there's been infections in my knee. There's been challenges. Um, it's hasn't been like a, a completely perfect journey as an amputee for a long time. I didn't have health insurance. I had no backing from, you know, a prosthetic manufacturer I was buying used feet on eBay, um, got ripped off a couple of times on eBay and waiting, you know, for a foot to come because I could barely get around and, um, or missing college, you know, exams because I had a 
a bad blister where the where the liner goes and um had a similar story sort of to yours went on a surf trip to mexico and um i literally got off the plane and checked into the little hotel and my prosthetic snapped in half um day one of a surf trip and you know and, and it's like your prosthetic is your everything it's your mode of transportation it's your self-worth it's like it really becomes a part of you and for something to break mm-hmm. you it's not just your can't get around but you just you feel like what am I going to do now? Um, yeah. And I was fortunate in that situation that um, I had a friend bring it to a machinist and they're able to put a new, take out a tap and die an old bolt and put it something in. And it was, you know, $2 and took three hours and I was back <laughs> as life but, goes on. Well, um, and and I'm was, glad you mentioned yeah. that. Yeah. That you have the downs because you don't, yeah. you don't rise without having to fall down a few times. Right. Yeah. And, and I've, I've even been like at the airport and, I had a prosthetic for a long time for years that I had a really bad limp and I couldn't run and mm. I've missed flights where I'm with, with other people and we we're all rushing to catch a flight and I'm left behind um, just because I couldn't go fast enough. And um, mm. it's, yeah. And, and that bad limp fortunately never transformed over to like any back pain. I'm very fortunate to be yes. feel very healthy. I have, I have zero aches, zero pains. Um, and, and I can run, I have a really good running blade. Um, I can beach run, I can do sprints, I can run up hills. Um, so I've, I've been I've been fortunate that that I'm now at a really good place with prosthetics because I know there's a lot of people that aren't. It, you know, and it and it's sad because we're not even talking underprivileged countries that don't. We're even talking in the U.S. Yeah, absolutely. Which, you know, with I mean, that's a, another whole podcast or a year of podcasting on insurances and and how to finagle your way through it. Um, what would you say is some good advice for someone who has been through something really traumatic? And I'm, I'm literally, I'm visualizing a couple people I've just recently talked to that they're really down and out right now. They're probably more around my age. They're, you know, life was going and shooting straight and now it's taken a direct mm-hmm. detour. What would be some really good advice to get past that mental, Ooh, sorry, that mental side to pick yourself back up and um that's a that's a tough question because i haven't really been like in a situation like but if it were me i would say journaling i would say trying to find what your passions are what your drives are what you have positives in your life write those down and look at those and really try to build on those um I, I would all those negative things and why me or I can't do this or why is this happening? Um, I wouldn't even think of those if, if I could block those out and just look at the positives. Yeah. Look at what you have to look forward to. Look at what you love this type of food. You love this cooking. You love this type of music, this type of art, this family member, this friend, just really try to build on those things. Um, yeah. Because I mean, life is beautiful. There's it's, there's so many different facets of life and cultures things to learn. And uh, like I, I don't know, I wish I had 10 lifetimes to just learn even just on mechanics or just there's so many things. And, but I know that people that have a really hard time or in depression, like that stuff is hard to break through. And it's hard to probably even look at things that are positive in your life, because you just feel this cloud over you. And um, yeah, I, I just I, and pray and just trust in a higher power that yeah. everything's going to be all right. Yeah. I agree. I think, yeah, finding your purpose and everything. And that, that kind of brings me to the question, and I know we've touched on it before, but when you were younger, before this happened, and I know you wanted to be on the surf team, you wanted to compete, that was, you were going to mm-hmm. go professional. 
<clears throat> was the change into your fascination with sharks immediate after your attack? Um, no, it wasn't. It was a, it was sort of a, a gradual thing. My passion for photography really was started after the shark attack. I, um, I needed to find a way of making a living and um, got a job at a surf shop called Nukamoy Surf Company. And it was um, here on Kauai and it was my first day. And this would have been a few months after the attack, maybe five months or so. And um, first day on the job, I was standing all day um, with this crummy prosthetic and I, I got a really bad infection in my knee, had to go to the emergency room, get it cut open. And I um, was just talking to my family afterwards. I'm like, I don't know, you know, Kauai, everything is tourism based. It's yeah. your valet, you're running around, you're a waiter, at a, you know, standing on your feet at a restaurant, at a hotel, whatnot, yeah. and need to try to find a, a different way of making a living. And, um, I had a surfing coach who had a lot of camera gear and I started tinkering around and making little video edits of my friends surfing and taking still photos of my friends surfing. A lot of them are professional surfers. And, um, I really enjoyed that. And I was able to sell it to the magazines because maybe not my photography was the best, but they were the best at surfing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then I, I talked to my family again and I'm like, I really love this photography stuff and, um, applied for uh, Brooks Institute of Photography in Santa Barbara. And it felt like the next day I was on a plane going to Santa Barbara spent four years studying photography. I, I, I'm really focused on portraiture, took a lot of portraiture classes. I wanted to shoot people. And, um, I honestly wanted to be a bikini photographer. I wanted yeah. to work for Roxy and go around yeah. the world to beautiful islands and shoot beautiful women. Um, yeah. and I had really my sight set on that. And I, um, I finished up school and, and shortly thereafter I, I started working for Quicksilver and I started shooting a lot of, um, actually a lot of guys in, in, in board shorts <laughs> and things like that. And guys, but guy and guys surfing as well. And, and I thought this is an you know incredible job. It's a dream job I'm yeah. at the beach every day. And I, I'm working for a big brand and getting paid good money. And I got a phone call by a lady named Debbie Solomon. And, um, she was a shark attack survivor from Florida. And she asked if, I was interested in getting in into uh, shark conservation. And these were words I had never heard before. Um, I, after the attack, I, I did a lot of research on shark attacks. I was really curious on why I got attacked. Was it the the moon that day, the tide phase, whatnot, trying to put sort of two to two together and mm -hmm. put these pieces together of why it was me that got attacked and why there um, at that beach. And I, I didn't find any answers. And I sure knew a heck of a lot of what sharks were doing to humans like myself. Mm -hmm. But I had no idea what we were doing to sharks. And Debbie was like, you've got to watch this documentary on YouTube. It's called Shark Water by the late Rob Stewart. I watched it that night. Um, it changed my life forever. I was incredibly blown away by what we were doing to our oceans, what we were mm. doing with shark fin soup. And there was a number on the screen that came mm. on halfway through that 70 million sharks a year are killed for shark fin soup. And it was this number that just completely, completely just like, I was like, this is not right. That yeah. I, I need to help. I love the ocean. Uh, if I can do anything and use my unique story in any which way to make the ocean a better place, so be it. And I called her back the next day and I'm like, how can I help? And she's mm -hmm. like, well, I'm, I'm putting together a small group of shark attack survivors and we would like you to come to Washington, D.C. and speak to the United States Congress. Um, there's a bill going through and we'd love for it to get passed that it closes a lot of loopholes on shark finning and protecting sharks and went to D.C. and did that and we got the bill passed. I, I came back to my home state of Hawaii, and we had a similar um, bill, but much more stringent on um, making shark fin contraband. Um, spoke up as an advocate and a voice for sharks using my irony and unique story, and we were able to get that bill passed as wow. well. Um, first state in, Amer or in America to do so. Soon after, all ocean bearing ocean states with oceans uh, followed suit, and they copied that bill. Um, wow. And in in about a 
few months after all this, I was invited to go to Guadalupe Island. It's this island offshore of Mexico. It's um, probably the best place in the world to see great white sharks. And um, I took, I jumped on the offer, went out there, spent about a week at Guadalupe. And I, I had, because I was shooting surfing, I had a really good camera, really good underwater housing that went with it. I could shoot big waves, small waves, anything, but I didn't think to bring it. For some reason, I just didn't bring it. I brought this like really old GoPro. Um, it was the second version of the GoPro that I had won in a surfing um, photography contest. And, um, I remember the first day, just this tiny little camera taken underwater face to face with the big great white in a cage. And that evening, put it in my laptop, saw the photos and was like, this is the coolest thing on earth to shoot. I I need to do more of this. This is amazing. And um, a few weeks later, it was or almost a month later, I, I found myself at Tiger Beach in the Bahamas um, my first time underwater or seeing a tiger shark face to face since getting attacked by one i brought my good camera gear i um most underwater photographers if not all shoot with wide angle lenses it's because you want to be really have less separation between the subject and yourself underwater with that volume of water causes like blurriness you lose color yeah. contrast so you want to be as close to the subject as possible um so you have to use a wide angle lens but when you shoot people you would never really use a wide angle lens mm -hmm. um shooting people you learn to use longer focal lengths it's more flattering like yeah. portrait lenses. And I thought to bring underwater it was so clear. I didn't have to worry about that volume of water. And I brought my portrait lenses underwater and wow. shot these tiger sharks like I would a person. Um, and I, I, that evening again on the laptop, wow, this is something special. And this is, this is what I want to do and haven't stopped since. That's crazy. And I do remember you telling the story about that lady in Florida. Um, and yeah. my next question was going to be, so who actually opened doors for you? And that, that's that, that little rabbit hole. You don't know where it's leading you, but you jump there yep. and all of a sudden the next thing you know, you're doing this and then you're, you're realizing you're taking yeah. your two, two passions and pulling them together. I, I've been very fortunate to just have these chain of events in my life. It started yeah. with my surfing coach, Bob Sato. He had camera gear. He let me mm -hmm. use this camera gear. I had friends that were extremely talented. I, I was able to photograph them. Um, another big one was um, this guy named John Russell. He was a commercial photographer from the Big Island. And he came to Kauai shortly after the shark attack and, and did a magazine story of me. I, I, there was a, some outlets that would come over. And so it was just a, a photo shoot. I just posed with my board and the rocks. Um, nothing too, you know, too, I don't know. Uh, it, it was just like really like just I didn't really think too much of it. And yeah. then about a few months later, he called me and he's like, I'm coming back to Kauai and I'm doing a photo shoot for Sports Illustrated for kids, but I need an assistant. You're the only one on the island that um, I really know. Would you mind just holding a reflector or some lights for me? And I went and did that, saw him work, um, mm -hmm. was like, wow, this is really cool. And, and that sort of was that time when I applied for photography college. I'm like, this, mm -hmm. I'd love to do what he's doing. This is rad. Um, three years into, into college, I'm in a marketing class. And the teacher is passing out promotional pieces of photographers from around the country. And it's like a card with their best images and then their website and, and contact info. And um, the card I was given was John Russell's. It was his promo piece. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. I mean, this is one of the reasons why I'm in this school right now is because of this guy. And it had his phone number. At class ended. I got out in the hall and got my cell phone, called him. And he just so happened to be in Santa Barbara where I was going to school. He That's was doing an ad campaign for Patagonia. And he's like, come meet me for lunch met him for lunch and um he's like i'd love for you to come assist me and, and i'd love to teach you some stuff i could he's like i joked i can teach you more than the school will ever teach you yeah well <laughs> um, real life right yeah real life stuff and and it was during the transition from film to digital and he brought me um along on some of these really big photo shoots and as an assistant you usually don't shoot 
unless you're a second shooter, you're holding something and you can never use these big names as a client. The photographer is the one shooting photos and that's their client. You're just helping them basically. Yeah. So you can never claim this for marketing, anything for marketing or anything like that. And because it was a transition to digital, these clients wanted to see digital proofs and he didn't know how to shoot digital. So we had these beautiful elaborate setups and I was a second shooter for him shooting digital. And a lot of times these clients, they wanted, they needed stuff right away. So my, my digital images were being used in marketing campaigns. One day I asked him, would you mind if I would use these as a client? And he's like, absolutely. You shot the photos. They use it as a campaign. It came out of their budget. They're your client. Um, incredibly nice, nice of him to do. And that really helped boost our, my career because a lot of times you can't shoot for a big client unless you've shot for a big client. They don't want to be the guinea pig. So yeah. it's this catch 22 and it's really hard to break through um, as an emerging photographer with that. And this was my way of breaking through. And I feel that it, you know, he was one of the people in my life that just really immensely helped me. And then it was somebody like Debbie Solomon, like these people yeah. in my life that have just, I wouldn't be here if one of the, those persons were not in my life. Right. It would be a completely different trajectory. So I'm incredibly grateful for that. Well, and even, even so give yourself credit because I find that the more you're open to carrying someone's camera, things happen mm -hmm. for you. Right. So, and that's something I've learned. And I don't know if that's a lease on a second life kind of feel that you get, but I've done the same thing. I feel like I've learned to say yes to more things and what's come out of it has been incredibly gratifying. And it's also put me in different directions, you know, that mm -hmm. I never would have ever dreamed would happen for me. So I do believe that, you know, being open to yep. any experience afterwards is, is always going to kind of boost you in some direction. And it may be like, nope, I definitely don't want to do that, but it may open up a door that opens another door yep. that, and it's just this, grand plan that if you just learn to watch for the signs it's there for you yeah. mm -hmm. and and then that comes around and brings you that purpose that makes you realize that life doesn't end because you look different and like you said mm -hmm. and, and i know you agree with it i don't feel disabled you know i'm yeah. doing everything i'd ever want to do and you know yeah there's bad days and and for those of you listening we're all human <laughs> so mike's very successful at what he does but he also has issues with his prosthetic and and bad days we all have them and and it, i just i think there's there's this thing on social media where we see so many successful amputees that no one really sees the the negative side or the hard side or the the down moments and yeah. we should be more real, I think, because if we could show those down moments and what it took to get out of it, then it would be more tangible for those that are newbies coming into the world this way. Because it is, it's overwhelming and a thousand times better now, even since I talked to you last in the last couple of years, things have just boomed on the mm -hmm. technology and the things you can get to to do whatever you want to do. Yeah. There's no really limit. Well said. Yeah, absolutely. No limit. None at all. Yeah. Um, so interested now, let's let's fast forward in the last couple of years. What have you been doing? What's been happening? What's new? Okay. Um, I would say that the biggest in the last couple of years is I've I've been working on a book. Um, I've got an amazing publisher out of New York called Rizzoli. I'm doing a coffee table book on sharks. It's um 240 pages. Wow. Uh, 200 images, um, big, bold, and beautiful. It's it's portraits of sharks shot in that portrait technique that I mentioned. Um, yep. The book is called Shark Portraits. It comes out in September. Wow. Um, it, 
it's an incredible process from early on till now where it's just it's at the printers getting printed as we speak um wow learning about bookmaking and learning about uh, of how to do it and everything from trying to work with a publicist on, on the end side of it so the beginning mm-hmm. of picking photos um deadlines really strict deadlines and trying to get as many sharks as i can in that book um i wanted to go to as many places as i could and photograph sharks around the world um and i also wanted to um I, I, when you go diving with sharks and especially big sharks like uh, tiger sharks maybe mm-hmm. great hammerheads great whites yeah. um, bull sharks a lot of them have names they've got personalities yes. but they also have names and they're id'd and um, I wanted to have as many sharks that were in the book ID'd. So I, I worked with ID specialists from around the world to be shark hotspots to get their names in the book. Wow. Um, because I just, I just think it gives it, I don't know, it, it gives them the respect that they deserve. When you have something as a name, there's just much more, there's a, it's just a, a way of, of showing respect, I, I believe. They're, yeah. they're not these nameless, just monsters. They're, yeah. You know, they've got strong personalities and, um, and I, I find value in shooting sharks like I would people because I believe that if you can see a little bit of yourself in something, that expression, that mm-hmm. you know, that highlight in the eyes, that smirk, that smile, maybe a, a crooked jaw that has humor or, or something like that, that you yeah. want to learn more about it and in turn want to protect something and, and get motivated to do something. And um, I just, I've, I've really found value in, in personifying these these animals. That's so cool. Um, so that was that's been a, that's been an incredible journey on its own, and, and that's. It's been a little over a year and a half, um, really? and it'll be almost two years when the book comes out. Um, I've also been d- doing a lot of dive trips. Uh, I'm heading to Mexico next week, um, yeah. leading an expedition where um, I'm going to be teaching about photography and sharks. And we're going to be at Socorro Island. It's a nine-day trip, I believe, um, about 240 miles offshore of Cabo San Lucas. It's uh-huh. one of the best places in the world to dive with um, big pelagic animals, a lot of whales and um huge oceanic manta rays that just spam bigger than your room like incredible and, and from there i'm going to go um, to the maldives there's an island called Fuvla mula um i've been there before it's a, it's a really small island um you could go around on a moped in maybe half an hour or so and there's a channel entrance right there that has a lot of tiger sharks when the fishing boats come in they dump the scraps um, they've been doing it for years the, the fishing scraps and the tiger sharks picked up on this and they all just hang out in the harbor entrance mm-hmm. and i'm um going to lead an expedition there as well um, for a little over a week of um, people that want to dive with tiger sharks. Um, and that and that's, should be really fun. And then I'm, I'm doing a, um, a, a publicity thing for my watch sponsor in um, Newport, Rhode Island from there. And then I'll be back home. And I, I'm, um, I've got a really bad uh, trigium in my eye from being in the water so much and glare mm-hmm. and sun and salt water in my right eye. And my visions, I'm sort of getting really bad vision in my right eye. So I'm going to do mm-hmm. eye surgery. Um, they, they cut oh. off the trigium and then I'll be out of the water for a month or so. Um, but then I'm, I'm hoping that just my eyes will get back to normal and um, get ready for next year's surf season starting next winter. Hopefully oh, go surfing with you in September. Yeah, that would be awesome. And it's so funny because I saw that you had your, your dive um, sessions going on and we're actually mm-hmm. going to be in Cabo. We're, we're going to miss you, but we're going to be in Cabo okay. mid- mid-May. And okay, I've never yeah. been. So I was like, I started searching where that was. And that's like, it's way down there off of, it is, off of yeah, that. Yeah. It's, it's a it's beautiful in, place. It, it looks like it would be amazing. And can anybody join into these on your website? Mm-hmm. Do you, is that how they sign up? Um, social media. If, um, my, my Instagram's at Mike Coots. Um, my name, and they can send me a message and I can link them up. Um, so like the 
Socorro trip, you need to be scuba certified. Okay. Um, the Maldives, um, it would help to be scuba certified. A, a lot of these trips are, and they're more on maybe the advanced side of scuba diving, mm -hmm. um, but not necessarily. Um, there's some places that are very user-friendly, but you would want to be scuba certified. Yeah. And have you had amputees on these trips with you before, or is that? Ooh, great question. You know, I, I don't believe I have. I've, I've done dives with other amputees, not on expeditions, but on um, like marketing shoots and things yeah. like that. Other shark attack survivors. My dream would be one day to host an expedition with people that have been attacked by a shark and haven't returned to the water since and be with them on their very first time being back in the water or yeah. back in the water with sharks and that experience. Um, as we mentioned at the beginning of this, how healing the ocean is. Oh. And um, I just, you know, you, you get back in the water and just everything else just floats away with it, it's just, it's very, it's a very powerful thing. It is. I, I would totally agree with you. I think that that, that changed my trajectory completely on what I was going to be capable. And that was just a year, not even a year after my amputation and mm. just even to try something totally different, you know, yeah. you know, the mainlander from Illinois who'd never <laughs> been on a surfboard. Now I have a surfboard in my pool so I can work on strokes. Yeah. Yeah. While I'm sitting in my pool, awesome. I tie myself off and work on my shoulder strength, waiting for the pool to warm up. It's been a little chilly over here lately. Okay. This has been a very <laughs> cold winter for us, but uh, I've been well, hearing. Yep. It's been crazy. I don't know if you guys have been experiencing different chill, but this we have. Is... We have. And we've been getting a lot of snow in the big island. We've actually got a really powerful storm coming in in a couple hours. Um, really? We're saying probably hail, 50 mile an hour winds, flash flooding. So it's, this afternoon should be pretty interesting. It's I think it's about 50 miles offshore right now, heading towards Kauai, and then it'll move across the state throughout um, the night tonight and into tomorrow. So, wow. It's been right, a wet, so really wet. We've had a lot of flooding here. It's, it's been kind of a crazy winter. Well, that you guys had a, a couple of years ago, you had massive flooding. I know Hanalei got really yeah. bad. Yeah. 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 Hopefully really that doesn't um, happen again. <laughs> I, I hope not. Yeah. You don't need that much rain. No, we know we it's don't. raining. We don't need that much rain. <laughs> yeah. How How is September? What am I looking at for September when it comes to surfing? September is yeah. a great uh, transitional time. It's the beginning of our surf season. It, it's actually the very, very start of the surf season. And you'll get some early season swells. Um, it's, I would say, an average swell in September is usually head high out of the north direction. Um, the weather's incredible in September. Um, it's it's one of my favorite months. It's a it's a really good time. But really, any time to visit Hawaii is a, a good time. Oh, yeah. um, as long as you're not in the middle of a flash flood. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. It's good. Or time. a hurricane. Well, yeah. I'm excited. I want to make sure that people know that you sell your prints and and I've seen your work Thank on t-shirts. You. Yep. Um, yep. The the work I've seen them on fins. Right. Yep. People get them on yep. their scuba fins and everything. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Where will they be able to get your book in September? Um, so my book will be available at Target, um, Barnes and Noble. It's available for pre-order now. It's called Shark Portraits um, by Mike Coots. Um, you, you can get it through Rizzoli's website. I'll be posting some stuff on my social media here shortly. Um, people yeah. can message me anytime as well, and I can send links. Um, but if you just Google my name and Shark Book, um, you'll start. You'll see online retailers. Well, I will make sure I tag all that on this. Thank you. And maybe in September, after your book launch, we can have you back on to talk about. The specifics of that book. Yeah, I would love to. That would be thank so you. cool. I would love yeah. it. Well, Mike, I can't thank you enough for spending time with us today. And it was great to see you and catch up. I feel like it's been way too long. And I wish you the best of luck. Stay positive and uh keep keep reaching for those dreams and saving those sharks. 
Thanks, Angie. And thanks for the wonderful chat this morning. That was awesome. It's, it's been awesome. Thank you so much. And that's a wrap on Limb Loss, Limb Difference Awareness Month. I am so grateful for all of our guest speakers and all the people that have kind of just been a part of the growth of this podcast. And are you not totally inspired by Mike's story? I still think I can't imagine getting back in the water after an episode like that. But he did, and he did it with gusto and with pizzazz and flair and with a complete goal and dream in sight. And, you know, one thing I have noticed that after becoming an amputee, you start learning to watch for doors that open and pathways to be um, cleared for you to take a different step in a different direction. And being fluid with the way your path is 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 going, you know, you, you just you have to be able to lay back and, and take things as they come because you just don't know, right? Tomorrow is not promised. And it's definitely not promised to be exactly what you have planned. We all know best laid plans tend to be um, uprooted. And in Mike's case and the others that I've had on this year and in the past, that is, there's no exception to that. They're, everyone's journey, everyone's path has, has been turned upside down based on a limb loss or a medical condition. But we make do with what we have. And I have found that those that are survivors and successful afterwards are those ready to surf the wave they are given and just let it go and see where it takes you. And I can tell you that by no means ever in my life would I have thought that I would have become an amputee. But I would elect to do it all over again because the people that have come into my life and the journey that I have been blessed with compares to nothing else that I've ever experienced. So I hope you are as inspired to be warriors in your own life, no matter where you're at, no matter what circumstances, no matter what mountaintop or valley you are in. I hope you are inspired. I hope you move forward. Remember, baby steps are still steps moving forward. So until next time, and as always, be healthy, be happy, be you.